out. And I can just do that on the editing side. Stick out the mandolin and the <laughs> voice. The whole thing, really. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, the show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Arith, and with me as always, we have talented writer and potential athlete, I guess, Zach Barlow. How you doing, Zach? Uh, I'm doing great, bro. I'm doing great. Potential athlete? Like, can we, <laughs> well, can we talk about that? <laughs> you always... You always talk about your, your how, how you can have these athletic feats, but I've never seen them in firsthand. So I, I think that the potential is there. Uh, You've never just, seen them firsthand? Absolutely not. Is. That is not true. That's not true, Jordan. You and I what? know that's not true. You've definitely seen my athletic prowess firsthand. Oh, well, if what I've seen is what you've been claiming to fame, then... Um, Bro, okay, I, I, I didn't know that we were going to go here right now, but how many <laughs> five football games did you go to? And tell me, oh, no. how many touchdowns did you watch me score, Jordan? How many? Oh, God. And then uh, moving on, we have our... <laughs> from <laughs> A lot of touchdowns, Zach. You had a lot of touchdowns. Um, <clears throat> did you set a record at five for touchdowns uh, or something like that? For my position, yeah. Gotcha. All right, yeah, no. Uh, proven athlete, Zach Barlow. Is on the mic with us today, and then so uh, Jr. is out of town for this episode. So uh, we go. Vinny McBroom, our guy in the chair, goes to our guy on air. Ooh, uh, Vinny! Damn. Ooh, wow, yeah. I like that. Been practicing Jordan's that all week. Today. I've been sitting in the mirror just reading that off all week. So, how you doing, Vin? The promote. The promotion. Oh, doing well. <laughs> doing really good. Um, excited about this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's good to be a good episode. Hey, you know what? Since five football got brought up, I'm going to say this. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. Well, they're in the playoffs. I'm honestly, I think they lost, but hey, they had a, <laughs> a girl quarterback throw a touchdown. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Oh, That's what? hella tight. Dude, yeah, that first dumb. girl uh, touchdown ever. I watched the highlight of that on a video too. Bro, she threw a dart. It's a dime. That ball was on the yeah. on a rope too. Like that was a that was a dime for sure. Was she a quarterback on the roster? Or what what position is she? She plays QB. Really, dude? So. That's yeah, she's sick. not. She yeah. doesn't start though. I don't <clears throat> yeah. think. But she but she she's got a cannon, dog. Respect. Yeah. Did yeah. she throw it underhand like fast pitch or was it? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. She did not. No, Jordan. It was on the run and it was overhand. Yeah, on and it was on the run, move, bro. She like escaped the yeah. pocket to her right and threw a beam. Mm-hmm. It was kind of tight, yeah, dude. Respect. Yeah, Fife's got a lot of accolades. They got that. They had. Uh, they recently got some ESPN visit for some award they won. They got a lot of cool stuff going on. So that's our Fife segment. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to to Fifi. Fife for life. Yeah. Um, uh, Jesus. But yeah, no, we're uh, we're on the mic today, and we're talking. Uh, still kind of in the Halloween spirit. Um, very exciting topic. We're talking Constantine, um, the street magician turned demon fighter, and. Uh, in doing research on Constantine, you know, his drink of choice um, supposedly is gin and tonic. So um, the highlight for our beverage breakdown is going to be Tanqueray and tonic. But we're all drinking separate beverages because really, if you read Constantine, he drinks whatever the fuck he wants. Mm. Um, so I got Tanqueray and tonic over here. I got a little lime wedge in my glass. What are you drinking, Zach? Uh, I got a Bombay. I got a Bombay Sapphire and tonic. No lime, though. I'm not that fancy. Solid. Solid choice. Vin, what you got over there, man? I just got some beer because, to be honest, I've never seen Constantine drink a gin and tonic. <laughs> Neither Dude, have me, I. Me fucking either. I don't know <laughs> where my 
<laughs> fucking sources. Did you get that from Lead the Onion or something? No. Where'd you get that from? Somebody's just fucking with me. Uh, it says it's his drink of choice, and it's uh, to be fair, the Tanqueray is a London dry gin. The, the story is based in London, um, and it originated on Vine Street in Bloomsburg, London, back in 1830 by Charles Tanqueray, who is a pastor's son. So there are some connections to the Constantine universe from the gin and tonic. Cool. Um, That's kind but, of cool. Yeah, but yeah, I couldn't find it anywhere in volume one of Hellblazer, so. So I'm, I'm just drinking last, last week's episode's hold, beard. Holding on to the last Wounded episode. Soldier from last episode, the Immortal IPA. Yeah, man. All right. Got, these are my last last two bottles, hey. so I figured I'd polish them off tonight. Might as well run through it. Yeah, we read through volume one of Hellblazer, and uh, Constantine drank beer, he drank whiskey, he drank, I think, a Bloody Mary, and I didn't see one gin and tonic. So he drank everything, essentially. <laughs> everything but. Yeah, a gin and tonic. But hey, we're talking gin and tonic today. Um, so... <laughs> Tanqueray, yeah, originated back in 1830. Uh, the recipe that Charles Tanqueray came up with is uh, still holds true today. Um, it's just a simple four botanicals. You got juniper, coriander, uh, angelica root, and licorice. Um, it's currently bottled in the UK and in the US. If you get it in the UK, it's 43.1 ABV. If you get it in the US, it's 47.3. Um, and the most unique characteristic of Tanqueray is the botanicals are uh, distilled immediately. Rather than being macerated. Uh, so do you know what macerated means, Zach? No. It sounds like masquerated, which is got to be a different meaning. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to look it up myself. It's basically when they take the ingredients and they soak them in liquid to soften them up before they distill them. So oh. supposedly it's supposed to get you some more... Uh, I don't know if, it's, if it heightens or fat, quickens the process or whatever, but with, uh, with Tanqueray, they just distill right away. So... Let's all put our glasses in the air. Let's throw this one back for John Constantine before we dive in the story. Hey. To Johnny boy. Oy, oy. To Johnny. Oh, yeah. So, me personally, I'm a big fan of gin and tonics. I don't think Vin's a big fan because when I, I suggested the drink, he was not, not the most excited. Not at all. Um, not at all. <laughs> I think it's refreshing. I love it. I, I mean, it's an easy drink to to grab at a bar whenever you're out and it's sessionable. Um, I'm not a big Tanqueray guy. I usually go Hendrix. Um, but with Tanqueray, I would say that the juniper is, is very prominent. That's that piney flavor. That's where that comes from. And that's basically all you get. And then on the exhale, if you really look for it, you can find a little hint of that licorice on the back. But um, yeah, real real prominent juniper forward. What do you, what do you taste in that, that Bombay, Zach? Uh, I really like Bombay. I also like gin and tonics. Uh, I feel like a gin and tonic with a lime, it's a... Uh, it's light, um, and it's got like a crisp kind of finish to it. And um, I, this Bombay, I don't taste licorice, um, but I, I just taste that it, like it's almost I don't I don't want to say minty, um, but it's kind of in that in that same ballpark. Like it's a uh, the the tonic kind of gives it that that the bubbly, and then the the gin kind of gives you this um, ah type of finish. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's refreshing and. Tried and true. Okay, so them. more more minty than 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 a uh, piney. Is that what you get from a Bombay? Yeah, yeah, and okay. and I don't get a licorice finish either. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, I'm not a big fan of licorice, so the finish Neither I can do I. without, uh, to be honest. But um, yeah, and if you go Hendrix gin, I know um, it's it's got a little cucumber in there, which is really uh, prominent. So just all Ooh. sorts of different little twists on gin. Yeah. Um, but that's our beverage breakdown for the day. Um, and without, without JR, we don't really have a JR story time. So, uh, we're just going to kind of dive into the, the character 
of Constantine. And this is one that uh, Vinny recommended because he's, he's really uh, passionate about this guy. And, and it's just fitting for this time of year. So why, uh, why Constantine, Vinny? Well, first of all, it's near Halloween. So that's exactly why I wanted to do Constantine because he is the absolute perfect uh, comic book character for the supernatural and paranormal and all the stuff that we're not meant to believe. Um, so first off, I'd like to just say John Constantine is a working class warlock. <laughs> he uses his. I would uh, just like to say <laughs> that's what he class warlock. What he is, he's not necessarily a superhero. So that's one thing I like about him too. Is he's he's, he's in a sense a normal man. He's just a human being <laughs> that has a big intellect of the occult. So he uh, huge yeah, intellect. Warlock. Such a big intellect. He uses his. Uh, uh, magician skills to uh, pretty much be a paranormal investigator or an occult detective, um, but he's also got a con man habit, so he's only in it for himself. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't do anything unless he gets something in return. Um, There's one cool thing I thought that uh, DC Comics. This is kind of like their headline when you go to look on their website when you say John Constantine, and I kind of liked what it said. Um, encircled by a wreath of uh, encircled by a wreath of cigarette smoke, sorcery, and shame, <laughs> John Constantine wields the dark arts to save his soul as well as Earth itself. Hmm, so that about sums it up. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's also kind of just like the guy that doesn't want to do it, but he's the only one that can kind of a role as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But back to just kind of like who he is. Um, so he was created by um, Alan Moore, Rick Veach. Damn, I didn't know he was created by Alan Moore. Of course, yeah, of course he was. Like, there's, he would be there's created a... by Alan Moore. I should have guessed. <laughs> well, I should have been like, yeah, this is an Alan Moore character. Well, here, here's the thing. is um, he Alan Moore is obviously the big name. That's like what, how you guys react to him, how everybody kind of says it. But there's technically six different people who are credited for the creation of him. And I think it's because they were all working on the comic um, story arc of where he was introduced. Um, which his first, Constantine's first appearance in the comics was um, the Saga of the Swamp Thing, number 37. And that was June 1985. But uh, back to, yeah, he was, so he was created by Alan Moore, this guy named Rick Veach, Steve Bissett, uh John Tottenben, Jamie Del- Delano, and J- John Ridgway. Yeah, but I, I mean, everybody, you know, talks about Alan Moore. There's even something I saw that was pretty funny on the internet about how Alan Moore actually met Constantine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dude, the dude's supposedly Alan Moore's a practicing magician. He so is. He is. Yeah. Dude, uh, Alan. Whatever. God, Alan if the, Moore. Guy, if the guy said he's met John Constantine, I don't doubt it. Well, he does ritual magic, so it's like, yeah. Yeah, but I also, well, that's technically what John Constantine Exactly. Does. That's like, well, yeah, that's like get, all in I'm going to get book. into a little bit. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, shoot, where did I lost my track? Oh, this is a funny thing I thought was really funny that I never knew, even though being a fan for a while. So his visual, we should have known, anyways. His uh, <laughs> his uh, visual, um, what would you say? Um, what they were inspired of how they should make John Constantine look was the uh, musician Sting. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. You see it, though, right? I do. I, I do. Yeah. Dude. In a bottle, yeah. I for sure saw when I read this comic, I was like, dude, 
brooding character, chain smoking cigs, independent, blonde hair, blue eyes, Ryan Gosling. Hands down. What? Jesus oh, Christ. Ryan Gosling. Damn it. Oh, my um, God. He's very cynical, though. Like, he looks down on everything and kind of makes it into, like, a humorous thing. And people kind of do that because they're, I don't know, not self-conscious, but just, like, kind of dark thoughts. Yeah. But, um, it's a release. He's very broken. He, he, yes, he, that, he oh. strikes me as a very broken character. He's troubled, for sure. He's yeah. very, and I love, I just love his character, too, um, just because, well, I'll get how I first, this is, we're going to talk about Hellblazer Original Sins, Volume 1. Um, it's the first nine issues um, of his own solo story arc. Um, and I read this pff, probably when I was too young, because like a lot of this <laughs> shit is <laughs> a very adult theme. But that's how I started Constantine was on this. And it's funny rereading it this weekend and stuff. It was just like, oh, I, that that makes more sense now. Kind of <laughs> just, just like, right, right over the head when like you were 12. How old were you <laughs> when you started reading like it? What it really was. Uh, dude, I don't know. Preteens? You're like 12, 10? Uh, yeah, I don't think 10. Bro, that's Maybe pretty 30. young. Constantine in sixth yeah. grade, dude. <laughs> I just, dude, I liked I liked stuff about, um, I don't know, just like the whole gothic storytelling of like devils and angels and shit. I really enjoyed that. And I think um, I might have been in my early teens, too, because I'm not sure. Because, of course, we've all seen the Keanu Reeves movie, right? Oh, yeah. Dude, he has a, he plays so many good characters named John. Like he <laughs> he's just got a great John kinda, face, you know. It's just a good-looking John. Yeah, <laughs> John boy. <laughs> that that movie, it's funny because that movie's director had influence from this uh, volume one, but I don't really remember. That movie was very action-heavy. I didn't get any pulls from. It was very Americanized, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it had Shia LaBeouf in it, for Christ's sake. (laughs) Hey, Shia LaBeouf's a great actor. I know, but it's American um, as you can get to put Shia in something. But the whole character of just John Constantine is very British and very just, like you said, John Broody, where Keanu Reeves is so action-heavy, where, like, John Constantine doesn't really know how to fight. I want to say he gets his ass kicked a couple times Yeah, in in this volume. The one thing I noticed is that when, like... You kind of touched on it when you said that he doesn't have any superpowers. I feel like if he did have one skill... I mean, yeah, he, he, he knows a lot about this world and about, like, rituals and stuff. But, like, I'd say his his power in this kind of t- frame is his resourcefulness. Like, he, mm. he, he just knows a guy so. all the time, yeah, yeah. almost. Everybody you owes know what him I favors, mean? too. Like, there's always, like, favors. some type of issue, and it's not necessarily him, like, rolling the sleeves up and, like, summoning his power level to get to Super Saiyan 5 and then going and taking on the baddie. It's more just, like, mm-hmm. he knows a guy that knows a guy that knows how to handle this, and so he kind of just, like, makes that shit happen. You know, he's, like, he's resourceful in that way, and that's how he figures it out most of the time. But he's also, like, uh, let's say, in a sense, Frodo with the ring, where he's the only one that could do it. Where, like, Frodo didn't do it alone... But he was the only one that could bear the ring. Yeah. I I, I have some... Yeah, okay. I don't know. Anyways, he's no, kind of a martyr. More, that's, that's more about when we go into the story arc. Let yeah. me just say a few more facts about just um, who he is real quick. So, um, yeah, he his first appearance was Swamp Thing, number 37. And it's funny because in that issue, I did a quick read on that just to figure out why he was in that. So he was... Um, Doing some investigating, because that's kind of who he is. He knew he, with his rituals and people that he knows, that he he knew something supernatural was going down 
in that area where the swamp thing was. Um, so he goes there. He discovers the swamp thing after a while, and the swamp thing and him kind of don't really fight because that's not Constantine's thing. But after the of a discussion, because Swamp Thing doesn't know what he is, he just exists, and he's just like, Rah. but he could talk, and he's just like, I don't know, you know. So Constantine pretty much is like, you're the last elemental, like that's you're this crazy powerful being that kind of like helps the earth stay alive, and you're the last one in a sense. So he dons that on him and then later comes back in that story arc and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, a couple of years later, they give him his own story arc, Hellbra- <clears throat> Hellblazer, which is the, uh, the longest running series Vertigo had from 1988 to 2013. It was Damn. originally going to be Hellraiser, but the movie came out right before and so they had to change the name. No way. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> I, love, it, I like Hellblazer. Yeah, Hellblazer's like cooler it, anyways. Yeah, but that's that's really funny. That's hella I think funny. Constantine uh, was the best thing to come out of Swamp Thing. Like, <laughs> thank God for most that. Most definitely. Like, most definitely. Do you think Constantine's going to make an appearance in the Swamp Thing movie? He, he should. I don't, I don't Wouldn't, know. What, I feel like that would be like a big reveal so so let me get into that real quick because like i said you guys knew the keanu reeves movie did you guys ever watch the cw tv show i had a couple seasons no i no. saw it i knew it was there but honestly i really liked it because that guy that actor um well, i wrote his name down real quick he's a welsh actor from from wales um matt ryan so it's also uh, the starting quarterback for the atlanta falcons matty ice yeah was constantine yeah <laughs> Maddie Ice from the UK. Respect. Um, so, uh, but dude, that he embodied that character perfectly on that TV show, and that's like the TV show had bad writing, other bad actors, but that guy was just it. How can you his have? Show, I'm sorry. How can you have a Constantine embodied on a CW show? I feel like you can't use any of his like dialogue because it's too appropriate. Oh, they did it. They did it. They did it very cleverly. Really? He was the he was the most inappropriate character out of that whole um, what do they call it? Arrowverse, isn't? I'm pretty sure that's what they call their the CW's DC oh, uh, universe. Yeah. Cinematic universe is the Arrowverse. Um, but then Constantine was introduced in a finale for Arrow. I want to say. And then he got his own TV show. It lasted two or three seasons. They canceled it. But his that actor and that character still does uh, cameo appearances in, in a few episodes in all the other Arrowverse shows that are going on right now. Hmm. So he's still playing that role. And if they did a Swamp Thing or when they do a Swamp Thing, like I would love to have that Matt Ryan okay. be that guy. Because he honestly kills it. I mean, yeah, he and looks he looks like a solid Constantine. He looks the part, but he also plays the part. He talks like him. Like, when he puts on headphones, it's fucking Sex Pistols, and it's like, yeah, dude. That's what he's all about. And that's another reason why I love John Constantine is because growing up, I was really into British punk for a while. The Clash, yeah. Sex Pistols, and shit. So, Are Dead Kennedys British? No. No. That they're American punk. So much man. I know about punk. Mm. Well, just think of their title, their name. I know, but I didn't know if that was fucking a poll or no. what. Nah. But um, yeah. So I mean, shit. So that's Constantine, I guess, wrapped up. Just the introduction of him. Um, so, well, actually, you know, I wrote up a timeline that I thought was pretty cool for him. So Swamp Thing was eighty five. Then they gave him his Hellblazer comic book that was eighty eight. We talked about the Keanu Reeves movie that was uh, two thousand five. 
they came out with a 2013 Constantine comic series, and that was during the New 52 DC run. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they had a, they tried to revise a lot of characters. Honestly, I remember buying that series because it was I was like watching the TV show, and I was like, oh man, I hope they kind of like you know make it good or better. More make it yeah, make it, it good. Make it good. Like, and it was it was worse. It was worse than the TV show. So it was just like ugh, whatever. Um, so yeah, the TV show. Oh no, excuse me. That was the twenty five comic book series that was trash because the show didn't come out until twenty fourteen. I said twenty thirteen. So, anyways, then, um, so, another thing that was cool that I just discovered was on October 30th, just a few days ago, a brand new Constantine comic series came out. Yeah, so, that's why we're doing this episode. It's what's, like that, what's that series called? Super planned. So, it's, uh, it's called, um, it's, it's set in the, whatchamacallit universe, um, they, they have, DC has this new thing, well, first of all, Vertigo is going to be changed and call, to called, uh, DC Black Label. DC Black next year. Dude, I'm I'm here for that. By the way. So yeah, so I'm I'm thinking that's gonna be super fucking cool because um, but the Sandman universe is um, oh well, fuck yeah. First of all, we're gonna get into Sandman for sure. You know what Sandman is? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Do you guys know what Sandman? Yeah, is? it's the most that comic mind. I've only read comic apparently. Dude, I've only read one issue and it fucking blew my mind. Yeah, like it's. Just stupid. I was about to ask you guys that we should and we should do it. But anyway, so the Sandman universe is just like this new DC. I don't want to say story arc, but kind of like the new Vertigo, new DC Black like thing. So the Sandman universe uh, presents Hellblazer. That's what the new one's going to be called. Yes, so it, they're revising you know Hellblazer Let's again, go. but like it's this new one. So I really hope it's going to be really good. I'm going to buy this next, first issue because I didn't even. Jordan said this plan. I had no fucking idea. But. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to save the game, bro. Um, oh, yeah, yeah so like, dude. Oh, he looks I, like you Gambit. See this cover? He looks like Gambit, yeah. dude. Bro, they're, yeah, about to, they're about to make a way cooler freaking version of Gambit. Yeah, and I'm, I'm about that. I mean, let's go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because he's going to be he's got about the tarot be cards. He's, gonna be, he's lighting he's a be, cigarette off a burning tarot card. That's so fucking yeah. savage. I know. Constantine is really cool, dude. Yeah, this is he's badass. He's one of my favorite characters, to be honest. He is a badass. But yeah, that's, so that's the new issue. Zach pulled it up on our video feed, but it's pretty much like what Jordan said. He's lighting a cigarette with a... By a with a tarot card that Shoot. says magician. Tarot card, yes. Ha ha ha. All right. Um, so let's dive it into his original story arc then, right? Original Sins. Yeah. Volume one. Yeah, man. The first uh, nine com- uh, issues. So let's say, uh, how does it begin again? Well, so this is where I was confused because I didn't. This is my first time ever reading Constantine, and you dive in with the first episode or the first story, and it's like referencing stories that have already happened in the past. So I was kind of confused. Like, is this the f- oh. actual beginning? And then I realized he had so much previous history in the Swamp Thing storylines that mm-hmm. you have to actually read that stuff. Oh, thank you. Ooh. What? You getting drinks? I had to, I had to read it. Serve to you? Thank you, love. Um, wow. wow. Bottle service. service. Bottle service, baby. <laughs> um, Jordan living the VIP life. Yeah. <laughs> up in Alaska. So I, uh, oh, I was, I was kind of confused by that, but it didn't, like skip a beat like you don't you, it explains exactly who you, you pick up who Constantine is right off the bat like you get his character profile most people already know who he is from the movie or from just his mm-hmm. general persona mm-hmm. that's out there 
Um, but in story one, it was the hunger. And this was probably my favorite of the nine issues in volume one. Me too. Um, this shit was so gnarly. It like, was the very beginning of it was like, holy shit. Fucking dark, dude. Really like, sets a tone. It's a great introduction. Yeah, it's right. like, this is what we're dealing with. So it's it's about the the demon uh, Manemoth, I think it's pronounced. Um, um, yeah, I think it is Manemoth. And he's the demon of hunger. And, and he, uh, I think, reigns from, uh, was it Africa? And he's he's powered off of like the hunger and the starvation that's going on down there, and their pain mm-hmm. fuels his strength. And he gets basically released into New York City by his shitty friend, Constantine's shitty friend that ca- captured him. He's a junkie, captured him in a bottle, and sent it to Constantine's girlfriend, mm-hmm. and it got caught in the so, mail. Yeah, so let's let's start off with that. Uh, Menemoth is that hunger demon, like you're saying. So he manifests a swarm of flies. So that's how he travels from one possession to another. Um, and it's a fucking so great like visual. The, it's like a fly with a huge ass tongue. That mm-hmm. yeah. Like and so yeah, so he pretty much possesses. Excuse me, I'm burping because I'm drinking beer. <laughs> Oh, that's classic audio for you right there. That was a good one. Man, that we could use that as an ad or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> or we could just cut it. So, Mimith <laughs> so is this uh, embodiment of a fly swarm that possesses a being, a human, and also eats them from the inside. So the person has this crazy feeling of anxiety and just like hunger. So they're constantly just starving, and they're not really starving. They're just shoveling food. It's just pure gluttony. Yeah. Shoving food down their mouth. Can't even control it, and eventually they die of starvation. It's a very weird demonic death, and it's a very classic, like, gothic, supernatural uh, Seven kind of start-ish. And sometimes they don't so, even eat food. Like, if there's not food around mm-hmm. them, they'll, like, try to eat wood. Or, like, there was, like, a... A reference to somebody who like ate newspapers or something like yeah, they just try to eat shove whatever they can in their. There was in a their boss mouth. who tried to eat the receptionist, and yeah. then there was a priest who ate a crucifix, which is like very symbolic. Right, like, it, was, it just worked perfectly with this whole thing. Right. Um, so the junkie Jordan was talking about, his name was Gary Lester, and he's uh, John Constantine's old childhood friend. And if anything, they got into the dark arts together and grew up and learned the skills of a magician and started off as con men because they grew up on the streets. So they would use their their magic skills to just pretty much steal money and steal things and sell them and whatnot. And um, it's literally quoted, John Constantine got into the dark arts for um, the uh, thrills and sex. Yeah. Um, So Gary Lester goes to, I think... I can't remember where he is exactly, but he's the one that originally finds uh, uh, the the uh, what was it, Mimith. He's like somewhere in demon. Africa. No, I can't remember, but it was it was a slave labor yeah. child who died, and so he or it was about to die, so he found him. Yeah, I thought it was in Asia, but I could be wrong. And this is the thing that's fucked up about possessions, and that's what why John Constantine has such a dark past, is because most of these possessions, when you release the demon or capture the demon or take out the demon and kill it, you kill the host as well. So what um, Gary Lester does to this poor slave labor child who already is possessed by this demon is pretty much tie him to a bed, perform an exorcism, uses his magician powers to... 
um, seal off uh, Mimoth into a bottle, and then the slave labor possessy <laughs> child dies on the bed, and um, Gary Lester brings this uh, bottle home with him to England. And of course, he's a drug addict, meth head, just does dumb stuff. Eventually sends the bottle to America because he can't find John Constantine. Because of course, John Constantine is off on some investigation. And I think that was another reason why you're confused, Jordan, is because um, Constantine comics are more like... Uh, not necessarily short stories, but a lot of them are invest. Each issue almost could be an investigation. It's, yeah, they're all they're all almost they're all independent like yeah. arcs. I got an they X, could definitely X-Files be independent for sure. Like bottle. That's actually episodes. a really great reference. That's actually a really great reference because in, yeah, in X Files there was each episode was a different investigation, but every once in a while they would hint at a bigger picture, and we'll definitely get into that because there is no hints yet in verse issue. Of what the bigger picture is yet it's just john has to deal with his druggy friend um lester which and lester you say that he was uh like it was unfortunate that he took the demon from that that slave labor or the slave kid but in reality when john goes down to africa to figure out what happened and how this demon got released the demon was actually trapped inside that kid with sealed like sealed carving uh tattoos That's right so he was he was meant to basically be a tomb to Kill this kill demon. the demon. Yeah, and then that's right. And I, he left the kid to die, and they sold him off to some slave labor, and then he was. That's how the demon got out. So really, he kind of saved that's the kid right. from suffering more, if you think about it. Well, yeah. he saved the kid, and then, but he also like wrecked a lot Released of other people demon. by releasing the demon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like well, they the had a about, plan, and unfortunately, the kid was like got the short end of the stick of that plan. But the plan was to like kill the demon and rid the world of that evil force. And then this right. guy came along and was like, oh, no, this is interesting. Let's release this and send it to England, which was like... And his reason for releasing was not out of compassion. It was like, I missed that feeling. He was like... It's an addiction. Exactly. Because one thing John Constantine says is um, we're all addicts. Mm-hmm. And um, Gary Lester is not just a heroin addict and just wants to fucking, you know, fucking shoot up all the time. He is a magician. That junk. Magicians can freaking... Uh, be addicted to that power. Get a high. So when he, he, yeah, he had that demon, the demon of hunger in that bottle. And he could just feel the temptation and feel its power seeping through the glass and absorbing into him. So he wanted that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, he sucks, dude. Yeah. He sucks bad. Well, he dude, gets, Gar- well, I mean, he gets like, what's coming to him, though. <laughs> I mean, exactly. So he let's does. Get into he does. Yeah. So yeah, so John Constantine comes home and finds his fucking old druggy friend in his bathroom covered in flies, no less, because it's fucking Mimoth. And um, Mimoth. So, I think it's Mimoth, but I don't. I don't know if it's Mimoth or whatever. Mimoth is and, is quite fitting though, because it's like a M- bug. It could moth. be Mimoth. It could be M N E M O T H. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look up the pronunciation of, of it right now, because... You do that. It's But anyway, so um, so John Constantine pretty much um, hits his buddy up, Chaz, which I love Chaz, because he gets more of an explanation later on in the stories, because he doesn't get to show up much in volume one of this series, other than just being John's personal taxi driver. Um but uh, so Chad shows up and helps um, John help like hold up Gary Lester, and then they bring him to a guy over in America called Papa Midnight, 
And Papa Midnight is like the head honcho of the voodoo. He's pretty much like the baddest motherfucker of all the witch doctors. Savage, dude. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Papa Midnight so, was kind of a cool character to me. Papa, with his like, like top hats and his like mm-hmm. freaking like tux tailed j- with a jungle but they need on wear, the roof. Like, Lion printed loincloths with it and shit. It's yeah, like, damn, dude. this guy's a fucking beast. Yeah. Papa Midnight is based off of a real voodoo um, entity. Yeah. In a sense, too. That's so. Uh, he, like, what's the guy's name? It's, not, it's like. Uh, it's Papa something, and I don't really want to attempt at it because I know I'm not going to get it right. <laughs> yeah. Wait, he's I based off re- of a real voodoo. Like, define real voodoo entity. Well, it's like a historical voodoo character that. Uh, like in uh, American Horror Story, in the Coven, there was a the witches. Oh, that's and right. There was the voodoo. That's right. And the voodoo would send, they would sacrifice people and send this Papa. I can't remember his name. And basically, if you you have to sacrifice like a a newborn once a year to him, and then you have eternal life. And that was kind of his thing. Yeah, he's so like it was the like a Lord reoccurring fictional Papa Legba. Basically, yeah, Papa he's Legba. like the Lord of the Underworld or something. Can you see? Probably? Can you see that? Yeah, that well, that's the character from American. That's Horror Papa Legba, exactly. yeah. But yeah, so he's but that's like a real. He's based off of a kind of like a real thing, but created for the DC universe. Um, so, anyways, John Constantine brings his uh, fucked up buddy Gary Lester over to uh, Papa Midnight because they both know that they're gonna have to use Gary as bait to bring back uh, Mimoth. I couldn't find the pronunciation, so we're going Mimoth. Mimoth is easy. Mim- we're running we're with it. We're going with Mimoth. So we're bringing. Uh, so they use Gary as bait to bring in Mimoth, and so pretty much at Papa Midnight's uh, club, he's pretty much a millionaire. So he's got this giant midnight club underground shit going on, and at the very top of the building, they're doing this ritual, and so the swarm of flies eventually come and engulf Gary Lester. And the whole time, Gary Lester is thinking John's going to help him. But then, as this right before this moment where Meemoth takes over Gary, he realizes and looks at Gary and he's like, How could you, man? I'm going to die. And the entire time, he's telling him, You're going to be okay. I'm your friend. I wouldn't let anything happen to you. Dude, John mm-hmm. Constantine is kind of a, this, kind of a fucking yeah. bad dude. This like, is step one of my several steps of why I don't like Constantine. And and we'll go into it, but he's a shitty ass person. And, and then and then what's crazy is that as it's happening, there, like there's a moment when he's just like, oh yeah, I can't even, I can't even, I can't take this anymore. And he just like leaves, and he just <laughs> he lets wears, like Papa Midnight like he handle wears the rest of it because he says it's easier to lie to Gary. Sunglasses on. <laughs> oh, God, that's so bad. Um, so like yeah, so in this first issue, you're watching this happen. You're just like, what the fuck? This is so fucked up. Like, how could this ever happen? So, in the next issue, we got. Can we talk uh, about how the possession happens real quick? Like the flies oh, land on his detail. face and they yeah. make a beard out of his face and then like his muscles start to spasm while he's in the chair and the flies like start to force their way into his mouth and then they cover his entire face and all you can see is his eyes and his eyes get hella big and it says it shows like it says something along the lines of like he his eyes look at me like they he makes eye contact while the flies are like rushing into his nose and his ears and shit and then is that it just totally covers his face his body convulses and then the flies are inside of him and he's possessed but it's like i mean this is an old comic book with old art and normally you wouldn't be like at least for me 
that moved by it. But man, though that scene, I was like, wow, that that's fucked up, like super fucked Dude, up. Yeah, um, yeah. So the artist is John Ridgway, and um, it's if I I personally like that old school style of like the like late '80s, early '90s because it reminds me of a lot of the good X Men stuff. Um, and I like the whole blotchiness of the colors, and I drew. You know, like, I used to draw all the time growing up, so it's, like, real ink, you know, mm-hmm. real pencil marks. And there's a lot. You can find errors every once in a while. Yeah. Like, there I, there was one panel where the the dude's head, like, crossed the panel, and it was, like, hard to read. <laughs> and I was like, damn. They're probably just like, ah, yeah, let's leave it in. It's fine. Whatever. They'll never see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then um, after, yeah, to, after home dude, pa- but, like, he gets, in, he gets engulfed and he gets possessed, and after he passes out, then Constantine has to carve the inscriptions into his body while he's sleeping to seal the demon inside him so like <laughs> not only do they do that they put him in a prison cell in papa midnight's uh, giant building and then seal it with bricks <laughs> so, so he fucked. so but you but you got, it's not that fucked though you got the bigger picture like it's fucked but Bro. they're also sealing the demon of hunger in there and, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of like we said, Jordan. He almost had what he was coming because he released that thing. He had but, it sealed. But why? Hi, Vinny's kitty. Um, I'm gonna bring I, him on. I guess my question is, why does it have to be Gary that has to be the vessel? You know. Be, well, I think I think it's I, basically I think that it's what Vinny just said. I feel like this is the guy that fucking started this problem, and so like. It wouldn't make any sense if it was anybody else because they had nothing to do with it. Like, it would almost, to me, be more cruel if they picked, like, some random Joe off the street to do it as opposed to the guy that started this problem. Like, he started it. He brought the demon out. So, I mean, it's kind of his job to finish it. Like, that's that's at least what I thought the thought process was. I mean, that makes sense. And it this if it was just this, then I would, I would be like, okay. You know, I'll, I'll let that one slide. It make it, it adds up. He he asked for it. The only way he's gonna actually do it is if you look into look him in his eyes and lie to him, and that's your childhood friend. So if you're able to do that, if you're able to stomach the fact that you're looking in your childhood friend's eyes and tell him everything's gonna be okay, I would never hurt you, and then he fucking gets murked by you, then mm-hmm. that's that's a lot you have to deal with in, internally. And it makes sense because he didn't release it, but it's just like. What the fuck? I mean, like it's it's not it's not your typical protagonist to say the least. No, John Constantine is not a good dude, <laughs> not at all. Like he's not a good dude at all. And I I don't know I don't I I I have a little bit of frustration towards the character because I think that he he mopes about a lot. Like he acts like he's does these things, and, and I get it. it. It weighs on him, but he also I don't think he makes the great the greatest decisions either. But he justifies them. Like, oh, well, he was my friend and he had it coming because he released the thing. But I, I just feel like there's, an, there's other ways of doing it. Like, find a fucking junkie prison, prisoner, prison mate on death row and make it happen with him. You know? He, so John called Gary uh, Gaz because he's cool like that and he's got a British accent. So he's like, hey, Gaz, you know? Like, he says chum a lot, is, too. Is like, no, no, the thing is, is like, that's not Gaz anymore, you know? That's... Someone else. No, so, he is. He's a junkie. He's melted. Yeah, and the thing is too is he's the not only the only person that could host that, and they could seal him off, but he wouldn't step up to that plate. 
because he's not the hero. He's not that type. He's a junkie. He's going to be like, no, I'm going to run away and hide in a corner and shoot up. So that's why I think John lied to him because it was easier. No, just, yeah. You know? And like I was telling Zach, like I would accept that if that was the only thing, but this is just the first step of several steps that he takes that I disagree with. I'm like so surprised that this is your take. I felt like this is like got Jordan Aerith written all over it. It's like blonde haired, <laughs> no, brooding, I, no, I, drinks his I, I, whiskey, smokes his cigarettes. No, and, I even told like, my wife dark. as I was reading this, man. I was like, I think Jordan's not going to like this or Jordan's going to have a grudge against Constantine or something. I am shook. I, I am like shook. I thought per- I knew Jordan, but I guess I don't. I like the bad boy persona, but you have to ultimately make the right decision at the end and, and not make terrible decisions and terrible decisions, then mope about it. So let's just move so, on. So let's get let's get into those bad decisions because he yeah. so in the second episode or excuse me <laughs> second issue he um, goes back to London he goes back to England to his home but before that he stops by uh, Emma's apartment mm-hmm. and this is one thing I want to explain to you Jordan too because you were like like you said earlier a little confused about how the timeline worked and you were at texting us like who the fuck's Emma <laughs> so, yeah so Emma is from the Swamp Thing obviously our story arc. But she's an artist that, like, was pretty much just a girl that John met and they hooked up and they stayed a while while he was doing some investigations through that whole Swamp Thing story arc. But she died. And so how she died is she subconsciously uh, crafted this painting of this really twisted demonic uh, entity, this being called um, Invitu, Invenchu. Um, and so when she snapped out of her un- sub- or subconscious or whatever, she you know saw the painting, and the painting was of that um, in virtue guy, mm-hmm. and he came out of the painting, grabbed her, and threw her out the window of her loft. Yeah. And I th- and John in this story arc says something about her falling and stuff. Do you know what an adventure is? Mm. So I had to look this one up too. So it's uh, a demon that guards a warlock's lair. Like that's like a, a, a term, an invention. Oh, it's like wow. a warlock's lair gu- like guardian. It's like she got too close to his heart. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> so it's her fault. Oh. <laughs> she Jordan's, got too close to John. <laughs> Jordan sums it up. It's her fault. <laughs> but anyways, that um, so that goes into what I was going to say is like everybody John gets close to dies. Because he's that. Uh, she's not the only one that dies from that in uh, Ventu thing. No, he murked like three of the people. Like there was like the Newcastle incident or whatever. Is that what that was, or is that a separate incident? So a Newcastle incident was like, do we want to get into that right now? I'm just, I don't know. We're, we, I mean, we can talk about all the issues. Okay, so let's just, let's just talk about the ghost that John sees throughout the entire story arc of Hellblazer. And I'm going to list the characters' names real quick. So there's Emma. We just dis- discussed him. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, her. Uh, Benjamin, Frank, and then there's this nun. She doesn't really have a name. She's just nun. Um, and then eventually... Gary shows up, you know, after this and first s- issue. And several more show up because people keep dying around him. <laughs> and that's just the thing. That's why John's yeah. so sad and depressed all the time. But um, it's, so the, it's, it's his fault. It's his fault. So the Newcastle incident was this little girl was possessed by this really, really fucking powerful demon. And so John Constantine used to have, like, a team, an investigating team. And that was um, him, uh, Chaz who I kind of mentioned was in this story arc right now, was his 
personal cab driver. So Chaz, John, Emma, Benjamin, and Frank. So they all were magicians, and they all kind of had different levels, and John was the leader in the baddest motherfucker. Excuse me, Chaz is not a magician, neither is Emma. But the other dudes were. They all kind of had, like, connections within this team to help do this. So mm-hmm. they're trying to uh, exercise this demon out of this little girl. But it comes to a point where, like, the demon's too powerful, and the only way they could, like, not to survive out of it was to just stop and just, like, let, keep the girl being possessed and, like, you know, regroup and figure something else out. And John was like, no, I got this. I can fucking do this. I'm the hero kind of sense. Did That's it. a first. Did it. <laughs> Seriously. Well, it's a first and only because of this reason. So he did it, killed the demon, but also killed the little girl, uh, Benjamin, Frank, and a nun. They all die so, because of that pos- that. Yes, yes. So some, so so it's pretty much just like some fucked up shit happened at Newcastle, and a lot of people died. And that's where all those ghosts came from, huh? And it was all Constantine's fault. And then so the band broke up, and then Emma died. Emma and Benjamin died later because of the um, what you would call it, the Invinchu or Invunchu or whatever you say, however you say it. Mm -hmm. Um. So those are the ghosts that follow John Constantine throughout this whole thing. And then Gary shows up because Gary dies within the first issue. So then in the second issue, John comes back to England. And in England, they're having some, you know, political problems. There's an election. It's um, Margaret Thatcher. I don't know if you know anything about her, but she was dubbed the Iron Lady. And so she pretty much created, like, a new Victorian era for England. And it was like the rich stayed rich and the poor stayed poor. And it was very divided and it was just... Bad times. And that's what you kind of see as he's going through England, dealing with more investigations. Because um, what's what's the investigation that he does exactly in the second issue? Well, one thing about this. So the first issue is so engulfing in the, <clears throat> like, who is Constantine? What's he fighting? This demon's crazy. Who are his friends? Like, you don't really, like, the setting, at least to me, didn't really settle in. Um, mm-hmm. And in the second episode, or second uh, story, it really, you really got to feel. It's hard. They're they're like episodes. But that's what I like about Constantine too. So I like and short one thing, stories. yeah, we so haven't like said them. is these aren't short stories. These are this is a long fucking book. So these, if are, you're, these are thick issues. Yeah, if you're diving <laughs> into this uh, and you want to procrastinate and dive into it on the Saturday before you record, don't do that because <laughs> don't do three hundred pages <laughs> and it will take up your whole fucking day. Um, but it was a great read. I just had no idea. It's a long book. Um, but in the second, so in the second story, it really captures that uh, level of poverty in that Victorian era, and it really brought me back to the um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen by Alan Moore. Uh, Zach, remember when we did that episode and like the yeah. the people, like it, like the people were so sick and poor and gross in like the backgrounds and like the era, like the artwork was even similar. It was it was the same era, so it makes sense different artists but that's where i really got from the second one is like the it really sets the stage for the the era and the timeline and the the setting that constantine is doing all this shit in and it's yeah. just bleak uh gross so um, under to me uh, you kind of touched on it because it was like about um poverty right and in the second uh issue what he is investigating essentially is that there's like this elite society of rich people but they're actually 
demons. Mm-hmm. And well, then there's I, like this, I just like, want to correct you right there. So sorry. So there's two <laughs> there's two distinct different variations of like um, the citizens of hell. Let's say there's demons and then there's devils. So the demon was like you know that big hideous dude that you're probably you know, going to talk about like that you'll yeah see like the, the 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 Lord the, of Flatulence. Yes, but so the devils are just the the normal guys. In a sense. So the devil is a lower tier than a demon? Yes. So the devils are the guys that work for the, the big banker guy? Yes. Oh. So, oh. Okay. so the okay. devils look like devils and the demons look like crazy. The worst thing ever. Yeah, exactly. But sorry. So that I just wanted to say that. Right. Just, no, yeah. So good. anyway, so there's it's devils important. then. There's <laughs> there's two devils. And essentially what they're doing is they're... Um, like tricking people into wagering their soul or like giving their soul and then and then um you know obviously over time they can't pay it back and so they're like killing people and uh constantine is kind of checking it out and then he ends up going to this like high well the other thing to note is that when they're when they're by themselves they obviously look like devils but when they go out they look like just people Mm-hmm. And so uh, Constantine goes to this like high roller club where it looks like there's just a bunch of rich people, but really they're all devils and they're all like in this game. And um, he ends up, he watches them take the soul of this woman at the club. And then he ends up at the, doing a summoning circle to meet their boss basically. And then I got confused here because I didn't really understand how he like tricked this guy like essentially he tricked him somehow to make it so like he made a bet that the guy couldn't pay or something but i didn't really get how that happened like why did he defeat him so in a sense i think constantine just like threw one of those like bluffs out that just it's just a gamble he even kind of says like dealing with demons and devils is always a gamble because they are trying to get the worst but john they know constantine like constantine has a reputation within hell and heaven so even like angels demons and devils do not trust john constantine because he will even double cross them so i think constantine was going into that thinking that um balfox Balfoxy. Blafoxy. Blafoxy, whatever that demon's name is. Man, demon names are so difficult. They're tough. But we can't um, say them three times or else they'll come to our bedrooms. Oh, man. I think this episode's already cursed. But um, <laughs> So, yeah. So, I think John just kind of went off a whim and was just like, this guy's already expecting me to double cross him. So, I'll give him like kind so of So, I'm like, going to do it. I'm going to give him the obvious and he'll hesitate and double guess. You know, I mean. In yeah, life. so... So basically, the, the, the elections lead into the, the conservative side, to the right wing. And if the right wing wins, the economy is going to stay stable. If the left wing wins, there's Oh, the sole that, economy. Yeah, the sole of mm-hmm. the UK economy, which they have sole contracts. So it's literally like its own. They mention how there's um, a demon of profit, Mammoth, or Mammon. And like they basically make it so business is a religion to the demon of profit, which I thought was so cool. And... Uh, Basically, right now the elections leading to the right side, and they're banking on the right side winning. So, like all these, the economy is going to stay stable for the soul economy. But with Constantine going in there and offering to sell his soul for whatever the guy will offer him, he's like, "Wait, what do you know that I don't know? Is something going to swing left? Like, is the economy going to crash?" And then he sells all of his stock in the soul economy because he thinks Constantine knows something. 
but really Constantine was oh. just bluffing him. And so he mm-hmm. sold all the stock and the rights still won and he fucking ended up with nothing. Yeah. So he pretty much tricked the demon to forcing the demon to go bankrupt in a sense and go back to hell. Yeah, and so he and then the demon was so mad that he murked all the devils that were handling this on on the planet and Constantine walks out like a fucking G. And Yeah, saves his one, own block pretty much. One, yeah, and one thing that is I want to say was my favorite part of all these stories. I thought that the um the dialogue and the text like the writing was so like the imagery was amazing in it. Like it borderlined Watchmen for me. The way that he could describe a setting and I think his name was Jamie. What was the last name of the writer? Of of the writer? Yeah, it was Jamie something. Delano. Yeah, so I, I thought that Alan Moore wrote this by the way that it was written, because I thought that the imagery was incredible. And there was one line, and it's um, it's a paragraph kind of, it's a short one, but it's basically when the two devils that are living in his apartment, and they're, they have literally drapes made out of fetus skin, and like it's just like the most fucked up situation. And he says... Perfectly complementing the delicious ambiance of the music, which the music that they're playing is just like horror screams that make Constantine's ears vibrate because it's <laughs> yeah, so yeah. terrible. What was it called? Uh, it was like something of the Atlantis, like, it's, I don't know. But it it's the Atlantis Hiroshima. reawakened the desiccated souls of Hiroshima. Yeah. He had to check his ears if they were bleeding afterwards and he couldn't move because the music was so bad. So, perfectly complementing the delicious ambiance of the music, the taint of desperate humanity rides the anxious breeze through the window. Stirring, delic- stirring the delicate translucency of the fetus skin sun drapes, hand sewn by the corrupted nuns of the brides of the Judas Order. And it's like this, like the most fucked up shit in this little apartment. While these these devils are like taking hits of fucking, like some kind of pain. Yeah, they're whatever. doing some sort of demon drug. Who knows? But that was my favorite part. Is just how they wrote, how they describe the setting, like. And, and the thing is, too, is like these are just the first two issues. And I think the first two issues do a really good job of setting who, up who John Constantine is. I will and say, I, though, I think that it goes downhill from the, the first. The third issue, dude, is fucking nuts. Like, well, Vietnam. It's, nu- it's nuts yeah. to the point... What? He says, "No, Vietnam. that's not the that's not the one that, about Nam. That's a fourth one. The third issue is the little girl. Oh little yeah, girl. yeah, yeah. The girl that gets so. But but abducted. the thing is too is like those first two issues are almost standalone episodes, kind of like what we're saying. Mm-hmm. And then the third issue really starts the big picture. Oh, and it that, does. Yeah, and so I kind of want damnation like, I think, army. And I think yeah, and I think that's what we should start with. This is those first two issues really get into who John Constantine is and how he handles his business, and then the third issue starts the bigger picture, and then the fourth issue goes back to like a random investigation, but it also hints at the bigger picture, and then the bigger picture grows and grows and grows because this is the most popular um, Constantine story arc, but like most volume ones, it's a little slower because it's got to set everything up. But it's weird because it came out of the gates fast. It didn't start slow. But like, I think it's I think it's the whole X X Files vibes that you're saying. Like they wanted yeah. to show more of like who the character is. But I they did that in a more interesting way than I feel like they did with the the future bigger picture. It was. does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Come, come I kind down. of agree. Um, so let's start with that though. Like so, uh, the little girl we're talking about is Constantine's niece. So Constantine's niece gets uh, kidnapped in a sense. Um, yeah, she gets drawn so, to this house in the woods by these four girls. 
Yeah, just read just read the comic. You'll figure it out. It's from yeah. Cre- it's some creepy ass shit. It's it's, it's, it's fucking it's, creepy. It's dope. It's creepy yeah. as fuck. But like, yeah. let's, I've so, like never read a story like that. I don't think like right, a comic right, story. It, yeah, exactly. This is some. This is the reason why this is the staple for the Constantine character. It's very original uh, for sure. Um, so the what's her name? Gemma, right? Gemma. Yeah. Constantine's niece Gemma gets kidnapped and. Um, Constantine finds out from the news and he finds out on this like weird first date he's having with this woman named Zed mm-hmm. who also happens to have this like supernatural vibe but he she's very mysterious um and very mm-hmm. 80s right she looks very... like Cruella DeVille <laughs> she does look like Cruella DeVille mixed with David Beetlejuice kind of yeah <laughs> with a Madonna twist like, yeah it's just uh, fucking weird um, so she meets this Zed he meets this Zed woman and like goes on this date and they he overhears this news story so knowing that both of them are um, in the supernatural business they go off to uh, kind of like upstate England to go find uh, his sister and brother-in-law to try to find his niece. And the thing is is that his sister's family have joined this new, uh, let's say, Christian extremist group uh, called Resurrected Crusaders. And they push out this um, belief of this pyramid of prayer. So it's like this kind of like TV preacher thing where it's like you donate money and whatnot but like the more money you donate the higher tier your prayer is and when you get to the top of the pyramid you get judged or your your prayer gets passed on to a group called the tongues of fire and they are the ones that speak to god so dude i want to say that that is so fucking genius and so pre-social media this was a concept Dude, right? <laughs> I thought it was so smart. It's so, so mega church. It's so I, I deep it. and mega church, like you're saying. And it's also like pyramid schemey too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. It's evil but righteous at the same time. Like, ah, Just, but, um, it's so, so good. the family is involved with this. It, but so they're also looking for the little girl, not only John. So John walks into the house. John's sister's like, oh, thank God, John, you're here. Like, use your witchcraft or whatever you got to find my daughter. And the um, crusaders are like, nah, don't use that shit here. Like, we're going to go find her. And he's like, fuck y'all, chum. But they're like, not going like, to go find her. We're praying for her. So ex- Exactly. Yeah. They you're, hear, you're interrupt our prayer. They say she's And they try thinking. to stop John. Yeah. They're like, no, we, we don't want you here. We got this handled. We're going to pray. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, and John's, John's like, like, nah, dude. Fuck out of here. Right John goes, yeah. looks through her belongings, finds some toy, throws it on a string, and he's like, oh, there, he, there she is. So, <laughs> yeah. String on a map. Yep. Found her. <laughs> some magician shit. I don't get it. But um, So he finds her in this house where this um skinhead so that's another thing that's kind of like this this comic story is very relevant in the late 80s in britain was he a skinhead he's a skinhead so so all all those british boys that they talk about a lot when they're all bald and stuff they're just racist skinheads and shit so he was part of that um Mm, okay just because of just like random stuff but that's not the bigger picture that's not what he was doing so he comes home this this skinhead guy comes home to this house where he's keeping the girl and also three other little girls in a sense who are already dead. Um, so John Constantine and Zed find this house, go there, save the niece right before freaking um, that crazy dude's about to kill him. And so they kill him 
And, of course, after beating him up, his shirt's all ripped up, and they open up his shirt, and he's got this, like, scar or tattoo that says uh, Damnation Army. And that was the second time both of those, Zed and John, have seen that. So they're starting to see something, you know, a pattern. And they're like, we got to dig deeper into this. So now, as they're both going into that, um the uh what are they called the crusaders the resurrected crusaders show up at this house of course they show up after john constantine already saved the day right um they burn yeah, this and house he, he almost like it was close <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and and by the way john constantine did not like win that fight he was getting that's wrecked. Very true that's he got, true he got, and then he, said he got his, the girl that was with him beat the shit out of that guy and saved john's life and you find out something about zed Later on, we want to we want to wait for that reveal. Or we well, reveal it? that's what I was about to get into because the resurrected crusaders show up and she dips, she mm-hmm. leaves like immediately. So John Constantine kind of like, "Here's my niece, there's my sister and her family." Says some smart ass shit to the crusaders because John Constantine that's his style, um, and then he goes to look for his girl. So he goes back to their apartment. I'm pretty sure, and uh, or not their apartment. Excuse me, Zed's apartment finds her and what exactly happens next trying to remember do they show up right away or does something happen before i feel like basically he goes back to his apartment zed shows up at his apartment they smash and then it and then it ends yeah i don't think anything happens after that besides them hitting and then it goes to the vietnam no so this is where the next demon gets introduced into the story and this demon is the one leading the damnation army this is nurgle he, so, he gets introduced in this... Does he call him? So, no, 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 no. So, so like Zach said, um, Constantine and Zed smash because that's the kind of guy he is. He gets that shit. So, <laughs> they smash and then he leaves. And do you remember he's watching some skinheads graffiti up the wall saying uh, British boys and then... Um, he sees someone walk into the bathroom and they make fun of him and they go the head out into him and he just kind of says whatever and leaves and goes back to Zed. Um, so that's where Nurgle, this certain um, demon, no, excuse me, he's a devil. Nurgle is a devil. So Nurgle is a high-ranking devil who started this damnation army and he jumps those skinheads, kills them, and fabricates their body into like this crazy, like, four-legged six-armed like skinhead ultra nah, mega man dude that's that's part four or part five isn't it no is that, is that this part yeah oh no it it ends with them smashing and then it goes to vietnam yeah, a, oh sorry see I'm, I'm i'm going on the main story i forgot there's that investigation that he gets randomly thrown into so the Vietnam episode, yeah, it, it kind of goes off track, goes to this little town, this Vietnam PS- PTSD shit, rapes his wife, kills his wife because he thinks she's a fucking Vietnamese prisoner. Standard stuff. Moving forward. Standard stuff. The standard standard, filler standard stuff. Alan Moore stuff. Standard you know. Alan Moore stuff. And then it kind of introduced, it flirts with the Crusades in this one as well. Um, and then it goes back to the, the main story, which is with these, these hooligans, these football fans that uh, fucking home dude, the, 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 the devil... Put it all into one's body to kind of uh, I don't even know what why. But when you say well, when you say football, 
it's soccer to us. But yeah, that was the Football. whole Arsenal Ch- and Chelsea us. rivalry. I love that personally because I'm a soccer fan. I anyway. know. I was going to give you shit for but, that because um, the football. But yeah, so, so this demon, or excuse me, this devil Nurgle makes this crazy abomination with these skinheads he kills. And he, which honestly, John Constantine finds really funny. There's a couple panels where he's actually just dying laughing because it's a funny situation. And he. Well, uses, and how's he. Yeah, how's he, he uses the Arsenal and Chelsea rivalry to actually defeat the abomination. Points that out, and the two, all the stupid skinheads are like, "Yeah, fuck you!" And they just fight each other and tear each other, each other limb by limb. But um, he's resourceful, so, like Zach said. Well, he's resourceful. So, he saw two tattoos. So this is the first move the Damnation army makes against Constantine because Constantine started to notice them, but doesn't do anything about them yet. So the Damnation Army and Nurgle send this abomination to not only attack um, John Constantine, but Zed. Zed was actually the true target. And why? Because Zed is the Mary for the resurrected Crusaders. So the Tongues of Fire, the smaller group that are the heads of this resurrected Crusader group, um, actually know Zed and have used Zed and call her the Mary because she's supposed to fulfill this prophecy of giving birth to the next coming of Jesus, in a sense. Mm. And she was so, supposed to be a virgin. She was supposed to be a virgin, and then so Jordan Tell your boy John C. John, Fuck. yeah, John takes <laughs> Fuck that, that out. one up real so, quick. So then this is what brings me up to this next part because um, John goes and he realizes that um, – so after the attack from the abomination, they flee to John's homie, um, Ray Monday. Ray Monday is just another guy that's in the paranormal circle and he helps John find um, jobs, investigation jobs. So he also goes there to hide out. So he brings Ed to hide out there. Um, John leaves to go find out some more clues about this whole um, Damnation Army stuff. And while he's gone, the Crusaders show up to uh, Ray's apartment. They take Ray and eventually kill that guy. And they also take Zed because they want Zed back into their group. So they kidnap Zed and Ray, kill Ray. John comes back and finds out but the way he finds out is well first of all he's fighting his demons his ghosts in a sense Uh, if you will and he jumps off a train because he's a fucking nutcase so john jumps off a train blacks out wakes up in a hospital and then the first thing he sees is um nurgle and nurgle Nurgle is is the devil And he started the whole Damnation Army. So he comes up to John, and he pretty much gives him an offer. And his offer is, join me, or don't join me, but this shit's already in the works. But he, Nurgle knows that John is part of this whole scheme, because he needs Zed out of the picture. So, John's all banged up, and in a fucking broken shell, and he's like, nah, I ain't gonna help you. I don't help heaven or hell. So, fuck y'all, devil. Devil's like, ah, that's cool, that's whatever. I'm actually just going to kill this baby on the floor below you. So Yeah, he called it a assorted <laughs> box of chocolates, the maternity yeah. one. So the and I was like, hey, that's amazing. The devil does what a devil does, and he's going to threaten the innocent, a life of innocent to help a good guy. Because, you know, John has a good heart. He just makes bad decisions. If you don't fucking help me, I'm going to eat some be- eat some babies. Like, yeah, pretty much. So John's what? like, all right, don't eat babies. I'll help you. 
So he's like, what is the plan? So first of all, you got to remember the barrier between the supernatural and the natural. In a sense, we live in the natural world and the demons and devils and angels live in the supernatural world are about to mend. And it will be one melded world. So this guy, Nurgle, is creating this damnation army. So he's ready for that. And he's going to use John Constantine to kind of like have that not happen because even the devils and angels don't want the ha- that to happen because it's a system it's a system that works souls go either to hell or heaven. there's a there's a level of balance involved yeah so and, they and don't john's kind of caught in the middle of that yeah and they don't want it to go into chaos so john's like fine i'll do this but i can't do this all banged up and broken so the devil gives him uh an offer and he says i'm gonna infuse my blood with yours and it'll heal you immediately and then you can go save the day so John agrees, and he's like, all right, you have till, what was it, solstice? The next solstice for the prophecy to be fulfilled. So you have that much time for the next season to freaking come up with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. The, next, the next issue, the last issue, is pretty much just him being miserable and drinking because he's got this devil's blood in him, and he's possessed as, or he's not possessed, but he's de- depressed as fuck. He's fighting it, the hate in his Exactly, blood. and he's talking to his ghosts and all these dead people, his dead friends and family that he's pretty much caused their death to. But he knows he has to go find Zed, or who is now the Mary. And she's completely brainwashed from these crusaders in this whole almost incarceration camp, I guess you would say. Um, so... Yeah, and, and one cool thing about that storyline, like, he's just basically a drunk mumbling through the fucking gutters of where I think they're in London still. And uh, he's just pouting, talking to ghosts, freaking out, having, a, a, like, panic attacks. But every every building he leaves or every setting he leaves, a fucking wrecking ball comes through and destroys it behind him. And the imagery like, was really good. Yeah, the imagery there, again, like, I just want to reference that. I think that was the, the best part of the story. Like, the world was crumbling, literally crumbling around him. Like everything he touches, like just turns, turns to, to dust. dust. Exactly, and I, I thought the wrecking ball was a perfect representation of that. Um, he talks to his own ghost to snap him out of it. Yeah, his own ghost comes to him. Is like, you're gonna fucking kill me now? Like, nah, bro. Like, stop being a bitch. Figure this out. Go home and, and bang out Zed and and you know. Dude, that's the, cra- the world. I think that's the craziest thing about this plan. Because really, like, you're expecting almost like a giant epic fight at the end. And no, the plan was really just to, like, have sex with Zed, taint her with this, like, demonic blood seed. Well, that wasn't his plan. No. You think it was his plan? No, no. I think no. I think he fell into that plan not knowing until after it happened he realized it. All right. Which is why Constantine is a piece of shit. <laughs> so... I, I, that's that's the story. That's that's it. Um, and and we're gonna go into crafter trash at the end of this. And I have I have a lot of feelings, um, but we uh, we still gotta hit the beneath the ink segment real quick. So is there anything you want to get off on Constantine before we head in there, Vinny? Other than this fact that I think Constantine is like good hearted, but raised in a bad area, so he takes bad decisions and does whatever the fuck he wants. But like. Think, you don't have to defend Constantine right now. We'll give you your platform for that. No, I'm okay. just talking about for the story. Is there anything in the story you want to talk about before we move on? He's, he's trying. He's trying to get some shots in early before the. Pop, pop, pop. I know, dude. No, so with the story, I would just say like he. 
in the issue nine, in a sense, he pretty much starts the ultimate plan for Nurgle, that devil. So it's in a sense where he's like using the Nurgle's plan for his own gain, but he's also almost damning the world in a sense. Mm-hmm. So I really think volume two and volume three pick it up a little bit more and it focuses more on that story, that main plot line. But like for this first volume, it kind of like teeters the whole side stories to kind of show you who John, John Constantine is. Cause like that whole Vietnam issue where like, it's not in Vietnam, but the whole Vietnam vet issue is just like, you really think John Constantine's a piece of shit. Cause he pretty much just watches that woman get raped and killed and does nothing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we didn't even talk about ghost in the machine, which I'll, I'll bring up later. All right. So let's go into <laughs> beneath the ink. Zach, what do you got for us, bro? So I, um, was really, uh, just, I found it really interesting, like, the very opening of the, of the, uh, Constantine, uh, scene, and how he, um, had, seemed to have this, like, really intimate relationship with the city itself, and then I started to think about, like, other characters that were similar to him in, like, the same type of, maybe not so supernatural, but more, like, detective-y, or, like, noir e type of genre and i and i found that there's like this common thread and i don't know where or when this started but like it seems that when you have a character that is like that type of like i'm gonna figure shit out i'm really gruff and uh, they always have this like relationship with the city around them like they really know the city really well and so the city around them to me becomes almost like a character in itself because they're, they're always talking about it and it represents like you know, it's a way to push the story forward. So, having said that, what I have done is I have gone into my bag and I have uh, grabbed a couple monologues from um, famous examples of dudes that have a deep relationship with their city in a noir style. And now, without further ado, I will read them to you in my noir voice. Uh-oh. I'm excited for this. <clears throat> The traffic is barely moving, and the back of the taxi still smells vaguely of last night's vomit. I decide to walk the rest of the way. The thin Sunday drizzle greases the tired streets, ignoring the queasiness which quakes my stomach like an uneasy swamp. I turn up my collar against the toothless gnawing of the early November wind and merge into the welcome anonymity of the city. The streets are hardened arteries leading to the city's dead heart. A street lamp winks its sickly yellow eye as I pass, footsteps echoing from sullen buildings. That's Constantine. That's how you meet him. Tell me that's not Rorschach, dude. Like, that is exactly what I see. Yeah, dude. No, that's Constantine. That's like, that's how you meet him. And like, and I think it's interesting too, because oftentimes it's how you meet these characters. Like they'll, they'll show up and they'll just be like walking in the rain. And then this like voiceover will be like, oh, the streets are queasy in the city. And that's like how, how that like archetype goes. Like a, like a bill. All right. So I got, I got, I got two more. And like, I I really wanted to find more examples, but I kind of ran out of time. Are these outside of Constantine? Huh? Are these in Constantine or outside? No, of no, no. These are outside of Constantine. Can we guess where they're well, from? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So so I'm going to read these two, and then you're going to guess who who they are, and then I'm going to open it up to see if you guys can like think of any 
any yourself because they're they're everywhere like it i don't know i just ran out of time but anyway okay <laughs> all right the night is hot as hell i'm in a lousy room in a lousy part of a lousy town i'm staring at a goddess she's telling me she wants me i'm not going to waste one more second wondering how i've gotten so lucky she smells like angels ought to smell the perfect woman the goddess sin city yeah, who is it? The big fucking burly motherfucker with the band-aids all over his face. I can't remember his name. Yeah, that's Marv. Marv, yeah. All right, yeah. For sure. The, this one's like a fucking... It's be blood for blood and buy the gallons. Yeah. yeah. This one's a... This this next one's a, a layup. I, I I feel like you just gotta... I, I, I can't not do this one. <clears throat> I'm gonna get super close to the microphone this time. <laughs> Is that the first line or is that you? See, see, no, I'm just, I just need you, I need you to like, this is the big one, so I need you to hear my breathing. All right. Gotcha. Dog carcasses in the alley this morning. Tired tread on burst stomach. The city is afraid of me. I have seen its true face. The streets are extended gutters and the gutters are full of blood. And when the drains finally scab over, all the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up about their waist and all the whores and politicians will look up and shout save us and i'll look down and whisper no Vinny, damn i have no idea i would just rorschach bro come on bro that's like the most famous part of the watchman bro iconic the world will cry out for our help and we'll whisper back no yeah so yeah um yeah so what do you guys think like could you first of all i have a couple questions can you think of any other examples? Uh, yes. One and two and two. Why do you think that exists repeatedly in this type of in this type of character? What what does that accomplish for the narrative? Well, I think where you grow up shapes you. So some of these characters, even if you move away and grow and become maybe necessarily a different person than where you're from, you those roots will still show every once in a while. So I think these people are kind of like, like these characters were named, especially Constantine as a guy who grew up and still lives where he's from. So mm-hmm. it's just like that city is, he's a part of that city. The city mm-hmm. is bigger than him. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the, the examples I can think of, I think that Batman and Gotham are pretty close to that. And I think that uh, Daredevil in, in uh, Hell's Kitchen, he always mm. talks about Hell's Kitchen. Um, those are the first two that come to my mind. I mean, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is, it's more of a, a friendly thing. It's not really like a, the city is really nice tonight. I had a sandwich with cheese and mayonnaise. Um, <laughs> Aunt May made it for me and she cut off the crust. Uh, I don't think that Spider-Man really has that same, that same feeling, but I think that it's important to set up a, like, obviously character development is my, my most important priority, but setting a setting like especially when it comes to like uh, a narrative and you're reading it and you're not watching it that's everything like I, I feel like Watchmen the book the graphic novel and Watchmen the movie are such on different levels because the text says so much that the movie couldn't portray and I think that that hmm. is the best part is that you can feel Rorschach's like pain and his just distaste for the city and everything he's in, but also his passion and his pride in it at the same time, mm-hmm. just the way that they put the words in there. And, and, and it just, I don't know. It, and there's a lot of, and especially in this, like there's no, there's no fucking 
farmland superheroes, right? Like Superman, I guess, when he's growing up. But they're they're always like in Superman's this whack. city where there's pain and there's darkness and there's grit and there's just, just all this shit around you that you're like there's glamour, but this surrounded by this clog this like smog of shit and like that's like what we're living in so like it just everybody can relate to it when you describe it the right way i guess constant yeah and it's also the sense where like they're almost bad guys that want to do good things you know yeah i i think that um so i was thinking that if you take away from these characters they're they're because i think that you you touched on a little bit jordan when you said that like they hated it and it was painful but they also had pride in it and they also loved it. And to me, that's like a key. Because if you take away like the city for Rorschach or the city for Constantine or even for Marv, then they don't really have any like thing that narratively drives them forward. Like they don't have a love. Like Peter Parker has like Aunt May and Mary Jean and like reasons to Mary do Jane, things. Bro, don't Mary Jane, Mary Jane, whatever. Reasons <laughs> to do shit. You know what I meant, but and but I feel like these characters have to have a reason because they like part of their kind of um, their thing is that like they don't like get let anybody get too close and if people do then they die and you know so and so on. and so the, the thing that like can be constant in that is their like love for the city even though it's not always such on, on the nose like Constantine loves this city or Rorschach loves this city I mean it's it's much more like bent around a corner but at the end of the day they they do. I mean, they do. That's why they do what they do. And I feel like it, it's like a double whammy. It establishes the scene for the viewer and then also establishes the motivation for the character. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's almost like the only thing they can love because, like you said, everything they love dies. The city, it gives right? them a love interest. The city but, can't die. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I, I love yeah. that. I love that. Right on, bro. Well, great beneath the ink, man. Let's let's uh, let's move on to craft or trash. So, I'm interested to see what you guys think. I guess I'll go first. This is Vinny's baby, so let him close it out. I don't know if I'd say baby, but sure. And uh, it's your boy. It's your boy. He's my DC um, guy. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I've already kind of voiced my opinion, so I'll, I'll just get it out there. Um, I had only seen the movie Constantine. I thought it was a dope ass movie. I was very excited to read this, and for the most part, I really enjoyed it. I think that. The writing was great. I think the artwork was aged, and uh, I didn't I didn't get in get into it. I also didn't like the artwork in uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's just the '80s Victorian theme style. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it, um, but I mean, it was for the time, so I'm not gonna get, dock it too many points for that. But uh, I thought that the writing, the imagery, the the visuals, the graphic nature of the entire thing was awesome. I think that his his quick wit was very entertaining. Um, and I think that the concepts of each storyline were so interesting, how they correlated normal, mundane situations with religious impact and made it so much more dramatic and dark. Um, like the fact that the, the business thing, I really, that really stuck with me being in a business kind of career and like thinking of that as a religion and like a religion to the, the demon of profit. Like, I mean, I just, I fucking love that. I think it's so like, it, it puts it for me. It puts a Gothic twist to everything. It does. And it makes it so much like, Oh man, there's layers. There's layers that I never Bro, are you, saw. are you worshiping the demon of profit? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Worshiping? No. Uh, besting. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, uh, <laughs> besting. I, um, I, I thought that it was really cool, and I did think it went, like, the last three issues, 
I mean, it was kind of like like the one issue the entire time Constantine was in a fucking hospital bed and he was negotiating with this demon, which was cool. But ultimately, what it comes down to, uh, and by the way, the last issue is like Swamp Thing and it was super boring and I don't like Swamp Thing. So if you just read through the first eight, um, it comes down to the protagonist. And, and I, I, I came into this storyline thinking Constantine was a fucking savage badass with a good heart that would ultimately make the right decisions. And he proved me that he does not make the right decisions. He just makes decisions and then justifies it and then pouts about it and mopes around and drinks himself into oblivion because he's guilty or he feels guilty and then continues to make terrible decisions. And my, my examples of that are, are a everybody in the Newcastle event, which was not even in the storyline. That was just, they referenced it. B his boy was a Gary that he, yeah, uh, the, the attic guy. If that was the only one, I kind of get it because he, he released a demon or whatever. Um, but C, in the Vietnam one, he, he literally watched this girl get raped and murdered by this guy. And he didn't want to intervene because he might die. Um, D, which we didn't even talk about, is Ghost in the Machine, where his boy from his original party was... He figured out a way to basically hack his mind and soul into this computer so he could track down anybody. And he tracked down the... the tongues fire, of fire. Tongues, tongues of fire. But he got too close, so his body, while he was in this machine, his body that was physically outside the machine combusted and caught fire and, and was destroyed. And he didn't know that, so when he was trying to come back to his body and, and exit the machine, Constantine's like, well, if he exits the machine, he's going to go into this body that's just fucking ash. So I might as well just unplug the fucking machine. Instead of explaining to him what's happening, tell him something. Let's find a solution. Now I'm just going to unplug it and bounce. Nah, bro, you out. Nah. So you, you done goofed. Murked another friend. And then finally, the girl that he supposedly loves, he's infected with demon blood. And this girl was supposed to be a virgin to give birth to the next Messiah. This is what she was supposed to do. Then she was n- not wanting to do it. Then she decided that she wanted to do it. Goes to see her. And she's like, I still want to do this. But if you're willing, let's have sex one last time. And he's like, I'm infected with demon blood. But sure. I'm, kinda, I'm trying to get my dick wet. And then he fucks her poisons her so now she can't do the one thing that she was put on this planet to do and he just bounces while she's sleeping the guy is a dirt bag and he's and then he mopes about it and acts like he's a victim the and entire then time he's like oh man my life is so terrible how did this happen to me why am i so unhappy i don't understand <laughs> i just feel like he's up against these like if any keeps saying he's the only one that can do it because he's the only one that can carry all the weight but like he can make other decisions that don't lead to these results i feel like he's a martyr and so i i gave it a 6.5 i still think it was really good but the artwork and the protagonists disappointed me zach um so i i'm with you in a lot of different uh ways i i, I thought the I mean, I kind of, I gave, I gave the artwork, I think, more of a pass. I just kind of knew what I was getting into. So, like, I'm sure it was cool at the time. Um, I thought the writing was amazing. Um, I feel like there's, like, like the things that you pointed out. There's so many bubbles or narrative kind of blocks that were just like, damn, this is incredible stuff. This is incredible work. I mean, even the, the starting monologue from Constantine that I just read, I mean, that's fucking great right yeah like that's really good stuff so um i felt like that had it going for it um i kind of didn't love the filler episodes all, like all the time i thought the fillers were cool in the beginning but um i wasn't like a huge fan. like i kind of just wanted to get to the point I, f- I also found myself getting confused sometimes which is i mean maybe i was just trying to like rush through it but um there was like questions that i had like how the fuck did he trick that that 
fucking demon guy. Um, so I don't know. For me, I, it was just like okay. Like I, I would give it a, um, I'd give it like a like a six or like a five point five. I, I wasn't moved by it, but uh, I thought that it was interesting and it brought up interesting things. So all right, are we are we holding to a six or a five point five? I'll do a six. All right, so we're still craft. All right, Vinny, sell us. Just because I'm judging uh, volume one. The story arc definitely gets better because, like, kind of like what you said, Zach, the um, filler issues were kind of just like a distraction and kind of confused you. But all- yeah, they were a distraction. Although they were cool, but they definitely distracted it, from like it did, what it does. was it, trying it distracts to be you from the bigger plot, but it also kind of just gives you a better idea of who John really is. Because, like you, like what Jordan says, you discover Jordan. Well, first of all, Jordan went into this thinking. John Constantine was fucking Keanu Reeves, and that's definitely, <laughs> that's very true. That's I definitely was like, he'll make the, the right case. move. Yeah, so he'll like, make the right decision. He's a scumbag. Yeah, we like that's yeah. who he is, and they had to explain that in order for yeah. the rest of the story to impact you more. So, I think it's always hard judging a first volume compared to the rest of the story arc because you don't necessarily think about the first volume; you think about the middle of the, the story. Yeah, you think about either the whole thing or the very end or the middle. You never really think about the beginning so much. Um, but like you guys said, the writing is really great. I love this style of art, but it's dated as well because there's so much beautiful shit that they come up with nowadays. But So um, compared to the rest of the story arc, I only give volume one a seven. That's what I would say. Okay. But it's crap. So that... Yeah, that's craft. That's six point five, and I think that's, I mean, that's what I rated it. So I, I'll, I'll take that. That's that's right there, smack dab. Where I think it's very worthy of reading. I think it's a great piece of literature. And One thing I just want to mention is like, um, I know Zach and I have the Comicsology Unlimited. Jordan, do you have the unlimited membership? I do now. You do now. So that, yeah. the first four volumes of this Hellblazer series is for free to download if you're on that unlimited membership. And I very well recommend at least diving into it and seeing what you think after volume two. Cause it's that same great writing. And I think it just gets a little better because it focuses more on, you know, this whole damnation army and resurrected crusaders and tongues of fire. Beautiful, yes. and that's a that's a perfect segue into plugs. So yeah, Comicsology is is the app that we use, and we recommend it. Um, Zach, is there anything you want to plug? Um, uh, nothing, nothing this week. Just just uh, keep tweeting us with the hashtag at Hop Heroes Podcast. Um, you know, we we love those tweets. Uh, we don't really pay to advertise right now. So if you have a friend or if you have a relative or anybody that you think would like the show, wants to talk, wants to listen to us talk about comics and drink beers, um, yeah, just let them know, man. That'd be awesome. We really appreciate it, and we love you guys long time. Love you long, long time. time. Absolutely. We love you and long yeah, time. Shout out to RS Figures. Uh, hit up rsfigures.com if you want a dope ass uh, statue lapel. Um, just something for your desk at your office. Um, just put it in uh, some high quality pewter models and figure eights, yeah. Man. yeah. Put on the coupon code Hop Heroes and you get free shipping on any orders over fifty dollars. Normally it's over a hundred, um, so the coupon will save you a little bit on that. And with the pewter statues, if you're spending fifty bucks, you're getting something cool. So um, definitely check them out. And always, as always, follow us at Hop Heroes Pod Instagram and Twitter. Check us out on Facebook and YouTube. Um, and check us out next week where we'll be dropping an episode. I'm very excited about. Blade. Mm. The Daywalker.
Daywalker. Uh, cannot wait. Um, but yeah, that's all we have for Constantine. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.